This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Bless you. If you need a Bible, get your hand up. And once you get a Bible, we'll begin in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, again, if you need a Bible, get your hand up. Uh, Whether you believe this or not, we still believe in opening the Bible around here. So we're going to get into the Word. You get in the Word and God will get into you. So let me just start here this morning with true obedience comes from a, a passion or a heart that wants to please God. Not heartless, not just going through the motion, but true obedience is from the heart. Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. The message says it this way, if you willingly obey. So there's something that begins to happen in my heart. And so when we talk about obedience here today, promised land living is obedient living. So we defined some things here about obedience this morning. I believe that'll help you. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. And so what begins to happen here is God begins to instruct the Israelites on some areas, and you saw the video where we're headed. So we begin in Deuteronomy 6, and he gives them guidelines for going into the promised land. Verse number 1. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgment which the Lord your God has committed to you. Okay, when he talks about the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, these are instructions. These are instructions that God gives every one of us. And, and the, the instructions are the Word of God. And so, again, what I hear from the Word of God, these are my instructions. And so he gives them the, the instructions. Why? Now look what he says. That you may teach them and that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all, and I highlight the word, all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you. You, your son, and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Now if you'll note in there, he said, all the days of your life, not just a Sunday thing. To obey God is an everyday deal, and he said that your life would be prolonged, and so there is a blessing that's attached to that. That's a long life. And if you'll note, he said, to you, your sons, and your grandsons. So we need to be teachers of the Word of God. So just in saying that right there, there's, there's a different or different degrees of obedience with me to my son and to my grandson. In other words, you wouldn't expect the same obedience out of a, a, a five-year-old than you would out of a 25-year-old. But the problem is, is when you become 25, 25 years as a mature or as a believer, but you still act like a five-year-old, we got some problems. So how would it look this morning if I was up here and I had a pair of pampers on? You would say, dang, pastor, grow up. Ain't a potty train you. Well, Shelly broke me and got some depends on now. I'm growing up. See, we can laugh about that because we understand part of growing up 
is to obey. So let me ask you this. When you have children in your house and you ask them to make the bed, do you like when they obey you quickly and quietly? Yes. How do you like it when they don't do it? It's not real good. But, begin, <clears throat> excuse me, but the more you train them, the more you teach them, the better off they become. And so the better off they become when they learn to obey you quickly and quietly, what do you do with them? You tell them thank you. You tell them good job or you reward them. Hebrews 11.6 says this, God is a rewarder and a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So what happens here is when your children do well, you know what you say to them? You say, listen, Johnny, tonight when you get home from school because you did so well today, we're going to go to Dairy Queen and we're going to supersize it. We're really going to bless you. And so again, God loves to bless. But it only comes from obedience. So that's why it says, when you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So we pick back up. We keep reading. Verse number 3. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that, listen, that it may be well with you. And there's a promise attached to that. When you observe it and keep it, it'll be well with you. And that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, literally what's stating here is they could have walked in that blessing 40 years ago. But because their disobedience, they didn't walk in that. So to a degree, you know what the Lord is telling them or Moses was telling them? Let's not keep making this same mistake, fellas. Let's grow up spiritually. Let's mature spiritually and begin to obey the things of God because there's blessings attached to it. So literally what he said there is you'll go to a land flowing with milk and honey. We won't get to a land flowing with milk and honey unless we learn to obey. Thank you. There's two of you that agree. Go with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 6. It's to the right, the book of Joshua. So as we're turning to Joshua 6, many people will say, well, I can live however I want. You can You can live however you want. But understand, with every choice, there'll be consequences to your choice. And not only do your choices affect you, they'll affect the people you're around and your children. So we're going to Joshua 6, and let me paraphrase what's going on here. Before they go in, God gives them some instruction. They're going to march around the city of Jericho six times. On the seventh time, they're going to shout, the walls are going to fall down. And he specifically tells them, everybody in Jericho is doomed to destruction except the harlot Rahab and the ones under her roof. Now, right after he makes that statement, we're going to pick up in in verse number 18. Then he says, and you by all means abstain or do not take from the cursed things, lest you become accursed. So he gives them a strong warning. If you take the accursed things, you're going to be cursed. When you take of the cursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Now I want you to hold fast to that thought there. That by you taking the cursed thing, you can trouble the whole camp. Verse 19, and he tells us here what the cursed things are. But all the silver... And the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated or set apart or declared holy to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Now what he's telling them here 
This very first city we go into, all the spoils are mine. This is what God's saying. That first one's mine. And he said specifically, it was going into the treasury or the house of the Lord. So there's a strong warning here. Don't mess with that first part. Don't take that first part. So to paraphrase again for time's sake, they go into Jericho. And I'm telling you, they wipe it out. They take everything that God said. And so Joshua is celebrating. He's on cloud nine. Oh, happy day. We won, we won, we won. Chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass. They acted unfaithfully. Now, stop just a second. He said, the children of Israel committed a trespass. With that phrase right there, it makes you think it was a bunch of them. The children of Israel committed a trespass. Keep reading. Regarding the cursed things, for Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the cursed things. Now again, he started out and act like the whole tribe did, but all of a sudden he breaks it down to one man, and he said, this man named Achan, who was of the tribe of Judah, he stole it. He stole things that he shouldn't have. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. That's interesting right here. This goes hand in hand as what he warned them about in, in Joshua 6, 17, 18, 19. When he said, if you take of the cursed things, you're going to bring trouble on the whole camp. So because of the action of this one guy, this choice of him, it impacted every one of them. He said back in, in chapter 6, he said, you would be doomed to destruction. So when this goes on, none of the tribe of Israel knows this, what's taking place, except this one man named Achan. So nobody knows. Verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethabim, on the east side of Bethel. And they spoke to them, saying, Go up, spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. So the next city that's in line is this place called Ai. So they sent scouts up there. Verse 3. And the scouts returned to Joshua and they said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Don't weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So you know what he says? It's going to be a walk in the park. This is going to be a piece of cake. All we need to do is send up two or 3,000 and we'll wipe them out. Verse 4, so about 3,000 men up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim, and they struck down on the descendants. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. So they go in, thinking they're going to win decisively. And not only do they lose, 36 men die. Verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and he fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders 
and they put dust on their head. Now, when they did this, when they tore their clothes and put dust, it was a sign not only of humility, but of, of great grief. They were broken. If you'll note there, they went before the ark of the Lord. So he's in there pleading before the ark of the Lord, and as if he's saying, what happened? Father God, you promised that we would go in these places and we would win and you'd be with us. Why did you send us in here for us to lose? And he's mad. Again, he doesn't know what Achan's done. So he's in there pleading before God and we start in verse 10. And it says here, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Now listen to this. Israel has sinned. When you read that one phrase there, it appears like all of them sin. But he said, Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed or violated my covenant which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they've also put it among their own stuff. And so now God begins to reveal to him what's going on. They've broke my commands. They've stolen. They've deceived. Now this is an Old Testament passage. But when you begin to study this, it takes us into the New Testament. I'm going to hold my finger here. I'm coming back to Joshua 7. If you want to go with me, I'm going to the book of Acts chapter 5. This is where it cross-references And so as you're going to Acts 5, I'll get to Acts 5, and then I'll begin in verse 1 when we get there. As you're going there, there was a man named Joseph, Joseph, and he was better referred to as, as the son of encouragement. He sold a piece of land, and after he sold a piece of land, he took all the proceeds to the, the, the disciples at the church. And he gave them everything he got. Now, evidently, people applauded, because when the story picks up, we pick up here in verse 1, and look what happened. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, they also sold a possession, but he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also bearing a being aware of it, and they brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now what's going on here is he was deceiving. He could have kept all of it or the majority of it, but what he does is he acts like he's given more than he should have. And so Peter calls him on the carpet and says, Hey, buddy, who do you think you are to deceive the Holy Spirit? Verse number 4. While it remained, was it not your own? Yes. And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Yes. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Have you not lied to men but to God? Now this was pertaining to money. Very similar to that of what Achan took. I'm just going to tell you right now, money's a big deal to God, how we use it and how we don't use it. Verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, he fell down and breathed his last, so great fear came upon all those who heard these things. I guess so. This is in a church setting. This guy brings offerings right there. He's Joe Spiritual, wanting to press all the people 
but his heart was wrong. And because of that, he just falls down dead right there. Now, what would happen this morning if we, we took up tithes and offerings? And I'll just use Tommy as an illustration. He does this and goes up there and hands it in, and all of a sudden, he falls over dead. You think it'd get our attention? We'd be screaming. Keep reading. And the young men arose, they wrapped him up, and they carried him out and buried him. If you'll read into this, this is unbelievable. This is a church. They didn't even call his wife. They got the ushers and they said, fellas, go out there on the front lawn and dig a grave and throw him in there and bury him. And this is some serious stuff. Verse 7. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her and said, tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. And she said, yeah, for so much. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Now, can you imagine what she's thinking about? What are you talking about, the people who buried my husband? Verse 10. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last, and the young men came and found her dead, and they carried her out, buried her by her husband. Verse 11. Now watch this. This is unbelievable. So great fear came upon the bar. That's not what it said. <laughs> this stuff tickles me. Great fear came upon the church. This all took place in the church. So reading into this, God doesn't take great pleasure when people deceive and they lie and they take things that aren't His but are supposed to be going to the church or to Him. Ooh, this is powerful. Back to Joshua 7. So now we begin to get a glimpse of some things on the New Testament side. Chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore the children of Israel, they could not stand before their enemies. Could not. But they turned their backs before the enemies because they've become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the curse from among you. So the issue right here, it wasn't a military factor. They got a sin problem. So he tells them that the, the problem is sin, but he also tells them the cure. And he said, you get the sin out of the camp, you eradicate the sin, and my blessings will come back upon you. Not anywhere before that until you get rid of the sin. Verse 13. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is a cursed thing in the midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the cursed things from among you. In the morning before you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by household, and the household which the Lord takes shall come by many man, or man by man. So he's going to pray to him right there before him. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the cursed things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. See, God's not content with us doing what's right. 
some of the time. Part of the time. When it's convenient. And oftentimes what happens is we begin to try to rationalize our sin. We try to justify it. And in our lives it could be very similar to to Achan. Do you just got one thing that you don't obey in? Or could it be many areas of your life? The Lord has dealt with you and He's dealt with you and He's dealt with you and He's dealt with you. And so when I, I read this right here, drastic consequences with drastic measures. Same chapter, verse 24. Then Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garments, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughter, his oxen, and his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Accor, trouble. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? So now we jump back to where we were a week ago in Galatians 5, 9, where it says just a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just a little bit of yeast will impact the whole loaf. And it's incredible here that Joshua said, why have you troubled us? And so we can look at this and we can blow it off and we can act like it's a big deal. But if it wasn't a big deal, then why don't you ask Achan because what's getting ready to happen to him? If it wasn't a big deal, then why don't you ask the families of those that lost the 36? I don't know about you, but if I would have lost family members because of that knucklehead, I would have been PO'd. Personally offended. Pissed off, okay? There you go. Verse 25 still. The Lord will trouble you this day. Woo! So all of Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. So what you see here, this was a big deal to God. I can't take disobedience lightly. See, in our society, our world right now, we'll say stuff like this. Well, Pastor, that's why God created grace. I believe in grace. But grace isn't a license for me to sin. Grace is the ability that God gives me to keep me from sinning. And so something happens when I begin to play with disobedience and act like it's not a big deal. And so today, if Achan could walk back in here, you know what? He'd look at everyone up and say, disobedience is a big deal. Now this passage was really interesting to me from the point they... They put all his family members out there. All his kids, his grandkids, everybody apart of him. They watched, they witnessed stoning him to death, lighting him on fire. You know why it says they did this? Because if they wouldn't have taken drastic measures, the majority of them would have said, he got away with it so I can do it. So again, just a little leaven leavens the whole bump. And so the Lord knew if I don't put a precise ending to this, this is going to spread like wildfire. So they get rid of the sin. They get rid of the problem. They get rid of every bit of it. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you. Arise up and go to Ai. See, I have given you into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and this land. 
And you shall do to Ai as its kings did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay on ambush for the city behind it. Now he says, you got my blessing now. Go back into Ai and you'll wipe them out just like you did in Jericho. And he said, guess what? You get to take their booty. Now booty in that passage is a little different than booty today, okay? They weren't going on a little booty hunt, okay? I want to throw that in there. That word booty there means plunder. For you younger generations, there's little different meanings for booty. We better keep going, too. So guess what happens here? God reverses the curse, and he brings a blessing upon them. Why? Because they got rid of the disobedience. See, promised land living is obedient living. I willingly obey you. Now listen, when I talk about obeying, I don't want people to obey God because I have to. If you have to do it, it's not going to be good. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be like swimming upstream. But something happens when I begin to hear the Word of God and say, you know what, I want to obey the Word of God because I want to please my Heavenly Father. So I get to a place in my life where God doesn't tell me to make the bed anymore. I know what would please Him, so I willingly will make my bed. And God says, well done, good and faithful servant. So that's the ultimate goal. But what human nature, go with me, book of Hebrews chapter 2. What human nature does is we have a tendency to drift. We drift away from the things of God. If they're not constantly before us and we continue to obey the word of God, we drift. And when I begin to drift, I become lukewarm. I become average, lethargic, complacent. Some of you say that's enough. You're describing me right now. I don't know if you've ever been on a, a river or maybe a lazy river at a water park. So you plop down on this tube at the lazy river. And you know what you have to do? Absolutely nothing. You just sit there. And the currents begin to take you and they begin to pull you. When I don't stay focused on the Word of God, what God's Word says, I'll have the tendency to drift. The Bible in 1 John 2, verses 15, 16, and 17 says, All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So what happens if I don't keep focused on the Word of God, I begin to drift into those areas that the world will pull you. You're going to have to purposely Fight, drift. Paddle, paddle. Okay? Now watch how this verse will say that. This is Hebrews 2, verse number 1. Therefore, we must, we must, we must give the more in earnest heed to the things we've heard. Now it says, one translation, that you listen very carefully to the truth. Heed careful attention to the things we've heard. And here's where it goes. It's one thing to hear the Word of God. It's another thing to obey the Word of God. So when you look at this, I cannot surrender to casual belief. Yeah, I put my toes in. 
I'll put in a little bit. To obey the Word of God is to fully go into the Word of God. You're going to have to get in the deep end, okay? God's not into the shallow end, okay? God's in is going all the way. And so when I obey the Word of God fully, God will bring that promised land living to, to a reality. In other words, I don't have to live like Achan and try to take shortcuts. If you do it God's way, God's going to bless you. And so when you look at times with what people have, don't get mad. Don't bellyache. Don't Bernie Sanders me and say, I want socialism. We all should have the same thing. The reason some people have things and others don't is because they've obeyed God. And so oftentimes we get mad because people have obeyed God with their whole life. And we say, well, that's not fair. Well, what's not fair about it? Every one of us in here have the same right to the Word of God. Pastor, you shouldn't have mentioned his name in here. Well, it's too late. I apologize. Kind of. Verse 2. Into verse 1. The more earnest he to the things we have heard, the least we drift away. In that statement right there, that must be a strong possibility or he wouldn't have warned us that way. Verse 2, for if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast or it stood firm, and every transgression or rebellion and disobedience received a just ward or just retribution. Let me read this to you in the New Living. Verse, two, or verse 1 says, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. Understand this. You can go against the Word of God. You can choose to live that way if you like. But understand, there is going to be a reward for this and this. Verse 3. Back in the New King James Version. How shall we escape if we neglect a great salvation with the first begin to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? So he said, man, you've heard the word of God, but also the disciples, they came back and they said, we listen to him. We know what the truth is. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with very miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So what you begin to see right here God will do precisely what he says he'll do. He doesn't change. He doesn't lie. His word is forever settled in heaven. So as I look at these passages, here's the questions I have to ask myself. Is there an area in my life right now that I know I willingly disobey? I know I willingly disobey. Is there areas, plural, in my life that I willingly disobey? Is there areas in my life that I've drifted? Now, I don't say that to punish you. It's to raise the bar where God's saying, man, if you'll repent of your sins, I'll, I'll not only forgive you, I'll wash you. 
The problem with that scripture is people will say, I repented and God forgave me. And the next day I repeated it and I kept repeating it. Part of the definition of repentance is to do a 180. That means, Father God, mercy me, cleanse me to change. I don't want to keep doing those things. The problem in my own life is when I was a sinner, I enjoyed sinning. It didn't bother me to sin. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, it bothers me. How does it bother me? He said in, in John 16, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to convict you of sin. I know a lady who recently said, I don't like to go to church. Every time I go to church there, I get convicted. Duh. <laughs> Do you know what that is? That's the love of God. That's the mercy of God. When God convicts us, you know what he's telling you? I, I got promised land living for you. I got milk and honey land living for you. Do you know I studied that phrase? The land that flows with milk and honey? That wasn't just a catchy phrase. You know what I found out that meant? The land that flows with milk. There was abundance of sheep and goat. They literally had more milk than they knew what to do with. Do you know what they could tell their kids when they were eating the Cheerios? Drink all the milk you want. Use the whole gallon. I don't care. There's more than enough. And when it talked about the land flowing with milk and honey, there was so much honey, there were so much beehives up in the trees that, that the branches would almost break. And everything under those trees, it dripped with honey. That's a lot. See, and that's God's promises to us. But again, where am I at today? Is there, is there willing disobedience within me? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.